to see everyone in this room and also uh, through the live stream. I hope your uh, new year is starting off well so far. Um, if there's any uh, sound difficulty, uh, please understand that there's a problem earlier before the service. But again, uh, as always, it's good to worship together as a church. Uh, let me read for us today's passage, and then I'll pray, and we'll go into the sermon. Uh, today's passage is found in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 through 18. Philippians 2, 12 through 18. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in, in vain. Even if, I'm being, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. That is the word of God. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Gracious God, thank you for uh, your unending goodness towards us, your faithfulness, your grace uh, that is uh, not dependent on our performance, uh, how we feel, um, it depends on uh, your faithfulness. So we look to you when the world is shaky, when our lives and our hearts are shaky. Uh, we turn to you and um, look to you as our rock. So Lord, help us, especially your word is uh, the rock that we can uh, bank our lives on. So. Uh, speak your word clearly uh, through your unworthy servant here and to help me to, uh, to simply deliver your word to your people and may, your, may the hearts of your people be opened and encouraged by your word uh, today. And may this whole thing be worship to you, uh, acceptable offering uh, dedicated to our worthy God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is January 10th, so the uh, 10 days have passed already uh, since the new year started. And uh, if you had a New Year's resolution, uh, I hope that uh, you're seeing some progress so far. And even if you had, uh, didn't have any resolution, I think it's still not too late to uh, maybe plan something as we start the year off and uh, hope for something better uh, in this new year. Uh, but I just wanted to, uh, I guess my hope for today's message uh, was that 
this gives you power and motivation. You know, as we again um, uh, start this new year uh, you know, into 2021, uh, may God uh, really empower us uh, through His Word uh, through the, today's sermon. So, as usual, I have three points for you: uh, work out your salvation. First point. Second, uh, get out to the world. And third, pour out in worship. Work out your salvation, uh, get out to the world, and pour out in worship. You see, I was trying to be clever there, uh, repeating out. Uh, Spent some time there, but anyways. First point, work out your salvation. Verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So right away, Apostle Paul gives the Philippian church uh, this direct command. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The verb work out indicates that Paul is speaking to people who, have, uh, who already have salvation because you can't work out what you don't already have. So Paul is talking about the sanctification process. That is, you know, when a person puts their faith in Christ, you know, right away that person is declared righteous, sinless in God's sight because of Christ in him. But from that point on until Jesus comes back, you know, God takes them on a journey where uh, they fight the remaining sin nature along the way and eventually become what they already are when Jesus comes back. Uh, they become you know, perfectly holy and righteous. So that's what's happening here. We're in between. We're in the in-between era. And Paul is saying, Philippians, you know, work out or live out what you have in Christ. In other words, he's saying, you know, bear fruit, actively bear fruit and grow in Christ-like character. And he says, do that with fear and trembling, meaning we are to have reverent fear towards God uh, so that uh, you take this command seriously, with almost seriousness. That's what Paul is saying here in this verse. And immediately after this verse, Paul adds this in verse 13. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So those who have salvation in Christ, have God the Holy Spirit living in them, and the, the Spirit does two major things in the believer's lives. First, inside, and second, outside. First, inside. God works in their will, the verse says. You know, God empowers their mind and heart to desire Christ so that they want to, they are determined to, seek him and his ways. So inside. And second, outside. God also works in their action. So God empowers them to carry out that desire for Christ and it enables them to make concrete choices and act and behave in ways that are godly. And then Paul says, God does these things in them for his good pleasure, meaning through these things, God empowers them to please him. So in all of this, 
What Paul is doing is he's trying to encourage the Philippians as they strive to work out their salvation in obedience. You see, unlike all the other religions in the world, God of Christianity is not like a track coach you know, waiting for them at the finish line uh, with his arms crossed. No. Rather, he comes into them and empowers them to do his will. So the Philippian believers, as they strive to, again, work out their salvation, they can be confident because they can trust that God's power will ultimately change them. It's not them. And if this is true for the Philippians, it is also true for everyone who is in Christ. And those of us who are in Christ. And I think this can be applied to us in two ways. First, for some of us, uh, this can also encourage you, like it encouraged Philippians, to be more confident and free in your walk with God this year. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow from the movie uh, The Pirates of the Caribbean said this, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. Let me repeat that words of wisdom. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. I think for some of us, you're struggling spiritually, not because, not necessarily because you are doing things that are um, wrong or uh, not because you're not doing things you're supposed to do. You do all the right things, but rather you're struggling because you have the wrong attitude about the problem. Namely, you know, deep inside you believe it's your power and your doing that can ultimately change you. But the fact of the matter that Paul is you know, speaking to us loudly is that it is God who changes you. He is able and he will do it. And you, on your part, must trust this and be free from having to carry all the burdens. You can simply meet with God uh, through word and prayer and live in obedience, um, in in freedom. And through it all, you just believe that God will bear fruit in due time in your life. And for the others of us, the problem might be that you have been complacent in your spiritual life. If so, I think the fact that you have God's power in you um, that that can enable you to work out your salvation can challenge you to do the work. Let me illustrate this way. Let's say someone bought you the most recent, most advanced, the most powerful cordless vacuum cleaner for Christmas. But then for some reason you uh, just don't use it or even care to unwrap the gift, so it's just sitting there. And when your house, you know, later on gets dusty and dirty and you cough and get allergic reaction, you can't complain about it, right? Because it's on you. Uh, you you've had the, the best tool for that problem all along at your disposal, but you refuse to use it. Likewise, you know, if you start a journey with Christ, you have God's power available in you to dust you off, so to speak. And how unfortunate would it be for you to just keep it wrapped 
on the side and just continue to suffer from the spiritual slumber. You know, working out your salvation is 100% God. You know, it's Him who works in our will and action. We establish that, but it's also 100% us, what? Utilizing God's power that's available. And, you know, if you find yourself in this category, if you have any desire in you for God, just know right at that moment that it's from God. He's working in your heart right there. Right then, seize the opportunity. You know, go to Him in the Word and obey in faith and see how God changes you over time. So we can confidently and diligently work out our salvation because the Almighty God is working in us for success. So work out your salvation. Second, get out to the world. So now Paul presents two specific ways in which the Philippians are to work out their salvation. First, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, In these verses, Paul is actually making a parallel and contrast between the Philippians and the Israelites in the wilderness after the exodus uh, from Egypt. So in Old Testament, we see the Israelites constantly, you know, grumbling. I love the word grumble. It just sounds like you know, you're complaining. You're grumbling. They're grumbling about their circumstances. And they're disputing all the time with one another, especially against uh, their leader, Moses. And Paul, as they look at the Philippians, he wants them to be different. You know, as they work out their salvation and grow to be more like Christ in their character, they must become more humble and seek to count others more significant than themselves, as opposed to, again, grumbling or disputing that you know, arises from pride. Through that, the unity within the church community is achieved. So that's, so basically Paul is saying, you know, hey, put your house in order uh, within yourselves by uh, fighting against, you know, grumbling and, um, you know, a disputing heart. But Paul has something bigger uh, beyond uh, that first point. Second point, uh, what does he want them to do? Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent, the children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Again, Paul is alluding to the Israelites here. Uh, back in De- Deuteronomy 32.5, uh, we're not going to read it, but there Moses described that uh, the Israelites were no longer God's children because of their blemish and that they were a crooked and twisted generation. You see, Paul is using the exact, almost exact same words in our text, you know, crooked, twisted, blemish, you know, all these things. And what's interesting is that he uses the description a crooked and twisted generation to describe the unbelieving world. What that means is that Israel, once the chosen treasure people of God, have lost her status 
and became simply a part of the world because of their unfaithfulness to God. And with that, they also lost the privilege to be a light for the nations and, and for those who sit in darkness, meaning the Israelites' calling was to be God's missionary, you know, bringing the Gentiles to him like a city on a hill. But they became useless in that calling. But in contrast, again, Paul hopes that the Philippian church will be different, that they would be the true children of God, conducting themselves so faithfully in the world that they shine as lights to the nations and for those in spiritual darkness. And and now the question that Paul is trying to answer is this. How does the church do that? How do they shine? How do they uh, conduct themselves faithfully in the world? Verse 16, he says, holding fast to the word of life. Again, to be the faithful children, they must hold firmly to the word of God, more specifically the gospel message, which alone can bring life. Holding fast the word there means cling to the word, but also trust the word alone and obey it and live it out in the world. Because when they do that, the world will see it. You know, they would not be able to bring any legitimate charge against them in good conscience because they see their Christ-like character, which is excellent. And also, as they hold fast the word of life, uh, the world would be able to be drawn to the gospel message eventually, and hopefully, and that they can bring them to the life in Christ. So all this to say, the Philippian church was to be a beacon of hope to the spiritually dark neighbors surrounding world. And if that was the calling for that church, the same is true for our church, Covenant Life Church. And I'm sure many, if not all of you, were in shock this past week uh, as the, the U.S. Capitol was attacked. And, uh, and among the many things that saddened me about the event, um, you know, one thing that saddened me the most was the appearance of the name of Jesus and God you know, within the protest and the riot. And I don't want to make a blanket statement. I didn't talk to anyone or everybody uh, in that crowd. But it is evident that some who were there, or maybe even part of the group that stormed into the Capitol, uh, saw themselves you know, as honoring God in what they did. And to me, this is a gross example of not holding fast the word of life. But rather, they were using God for their own agenda, and they ended up being a very bad witness to the world about Christ. And I think that's, that should make us grieve. Um, if you see yourself as a believer, as you see this happening, but as, as you grieve about this, could we also use this opportunity to examine our own hearts? Do we not also use God to our own advantage and ultimately put our political, social, and 
personal agenda above God. For example, don't we often put our career goals above God? You know, we say, praise God! You know, when we get the job we want or get into the school that we dreamed of getting into. And rightly, that's a you know, right occasion to celebrate and praise Him, praise God. But perhaps a part of us are invoking God's holy name because we just got what we wanted. And also, don't we put our rights above God in our daily lives? You know, when someone offends us, you know, these days, it's so hard to forgive them. You know, it, it's, it just feels so justi- justifying. I feel so justified in harboring bitterness and seeking to get even with that person. My feelings and my rights must not be violated. So we uphold God of justice high, but we disregard the God of forgiveness and long-suffering love. We use God for our own agenda. But if we truly strive to hold fast the word and submit ourselves to it, we would become people of radical love and contentment, and the world will see that, they will notice that, and we will truly be a light to them. But all in all, you know, may we never lose the missional edge as a church. You know, we must learn from the example of Israel. You know, the Israelites, they had the privilege of being a light in the sky to the nations, but they neglected the duty and became so inwardly focused so that they became an asteroid in the sky, a space garbage. They lost the purpose of their existence as people of God. May we remember that CLC exists in this part of the world, in this part of the state and nation, so that we can be a light to those who are here around us who do not have the life of Christ. A few years ago, I went to a coffee shop to get some work done. And uh, I happened to sit next to this young guy named Emmanuel. He told me his name. And we struck a few you know, small conversations here and there. But before we knew it, we were having a very deep conversation. And uh, you know, he was sharing with me how he dropped out of college in you know, D.C. Uh, because of you know, mental health issues. And you know, she, he shared many other uh, you know, serious things. And I shared with him um, you know, what I thought from a Christian standpoint. And, and ultimately, I ended up sharing the gospel with him uh, right there. And then he later emailed me and you know, said thanks for you know, listening to him and um, that he felt understood uh, you know, during the conversation. And interestingly, these things happen often to me. Um, I, I don't know if uh, like on my face it says, please talk to me. I don't know. But whenever I go to you know, public places like this, you know, a lot of people just talk to me and we just end up having a lot of deep conversations. Um, and to be really honest with you, I don't like it. <laughs> because if you know me, I like to have my own plans and schedule for the day. And I like to stick to it and... Talk to strangers is not part of my plan. But I keep running into these, you know, deep conversations. Uh, I cannot get my work done. But this really humbles me when I think about this because 
against my own plan, our sovereign God placed me, you know, in the just the right time and places so that I can be his light uh, for those who are desperate for life in Christ. And I think that same principle applies to all of us. You know, God, uh, in his sovereign hand, placed every one of us in certain, you know, relationships in our daily lives, such as your co-workers, your classmates, and families, so that you can be that light to them. And, and with that, as a church, we should also remember going beyond our communities, uh, the world missions that we support and pray. So get out to the world, Paul is saying. And third and last, pour out in worship. Verse 17, he says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Uh, here, Paul is again drawing up a uh, Old Testament image. Uh, back then, you know, when worshiping God, people uh, would you know offer various sacrifices, you know, in the temple, uh, such as animals and you know grain and drink. And here, Paul seems to be likening all the Philippians, um, you know, act of you know sacrifices and what they do for God out of their faith to be. It's a sacrificial offering in the temple. You know, he's you know, probably envisioning animals and grain offerings. And then about what Paul does, you know, he likens it to a drink offering that is to be poured out on other offerings. And, and we know from 2 Timothy that uh, being poured out as a drink offering signifies uh, dying as a martyr. So here what we see is Paul and the Philippians uh, they're doing different things for God, uh, and yet they're both giving offerings of worship to God in their um, you know, sacrifices. And, and since God is being worshipped and, and pleased by uh, these you know, acts of services, Paul says he rejoices about his offering and, and their offering. And he goes on in verse 18, Saying, saying, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Saying that the Philippians also should be rejoicing because God is accepting their worship and his worship. And now please follow with me here. If we go a little deeper uh, in, this, in, in what's happening here, uh, we will realize that it's not that simple uh, for God to accept our worship, and we got to rejoice over it because we're sinners. Prophet Isaiah once said, all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, meaning whatever good things we try to do, uh, they're tainted, they're polluted. It's never good enough uh, because of sin in our hearts. So when we try to do things for God and present it as worship to Him with the best of our intentions, you know, it is still filthy rags, you know, and it, it can never be accepted. It's not good enough for God, and we can never rejoice over that. But Jesus makes all the difference. In Hebrews 9.14, says, Blood of Christ purifies our conscience from dead works 
to serve the living God. Meaning, when Jesus died, when he offered himself the perfect sacrifice on the cross, his blood now completely cleanses our conscience and everything that we do for God so that we can serve God and worship him and God accepts it. And if I were to put, it, put that differently, using the language of our text, again, going back to the you know, working out our salvation language, the Spirit in us, in us empowers our will and action to work out our salvation, and we get to do what? Please Him for His good pleasure, meaning God is pleased by our worship. And about that, we can be joyful. There is joy in worship because it is accepted by God. Uh, you know, whenever I go on Facebook on my phone, I always see these annoying red dots, right? And, and those are telling me that there are some, you know, either notifications or updates on different tabs. And one such tab is the Facebook video tab. It's always, there's always that red dot that annoys me like crazy. So, so it, I uh, tap on it to get rid of it, and then there are many videos for me to watch. And uh, interesting, a lot of these videos are about uh, these like really handy people uh, somehow finding this like garbage, like um, different tools such as axe or knife that are really rusty, and they somehow uh, you know cleanse them using chemical, and they you know chisel it and hammer it, and voila. There is like brand new looking, beautiful looking tools that are functional now. And when I see that, I think that's what's happening with our worship because, like I said, you know, worship to God in our flesh is like those, you know, garbage um, tools that are abandoned and rusty. Uh, there is little use for it. You know, you cannot really please God with that. But when the blood of Christ you know, washes off the rust, so to speak, and turns it into beautiful, useful offerings for God. And that pleases God. So that now everything we do in Christ, in faith in Christ, is useful and pleasing to God. And we can be joyful. So that, for example, even our daily grind at work or in school can be a joyful worship. And for some of us, taking care of children, cooking, you know, striving to love our spouses, to honor God can be worship. And for some of us, you know, striving to use your singleness to serve Him out of your love for Him in different ways can be worship that God uh, is uh, joyful for. And that can also gladden your hearts. And that's what Paul is writing to us, again, as we start this new year. You know, may we, you know, vigorously work out our salvation. You know, why? God is in us, working in us, in order for us to worship Him, particularly, you know, that we shine our light, His light, rather, in this dark world. And that is a task that, that is before us, that's our mission, and that all starts from we individuals as a church collection try to work out our salvation in word and prayer and obedience. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, 
thank you that um, you are God who uh, really encourages us uh, through your word. Uh, the fact of the matter is, you know uh, where we are in our journey with you. And in all, in all honesty, uh, it's all over the place, uh, depending on different circumstances and depending on how we feel. But you are faithful. And what a relief that our salvation belongs to you. What a relief. What encouragement that we can rely on you because it is your power in us that changes our desires, changes our actions, so that when we look at ourselves in due time, We'll be surprised. How did I change? Lord, please encourage those of us who um, you know, might be struggling uh, in their spiritual lives, in their work, walk with you. Um, the pandemic and um, the circumstances in the, in, the, in the nation and in their lives have not been so easy. Um, so please remind them that you are not done with them. That that you are in them and uh, you know, working in them even uh, you know, in the absence of evidences. So may you encourage them, may you empower them even through this time. Oh Lord, help us as a church that we will not uh, you know, become like Israel, uh, Israelites who lost that calling, who lost that purpose of existence in the world. May we have the mission, the purpose in this world. Help us, God. It is hard, but again, we know the one who is at work in us. Help us. Pray in Jesus' name. Okay, uh, let's pray together for a little bit and then we'll close our worship. A um, couple of things I'm taking away from the sermon. Pastor Aiden said he has a sign on his head that says, please come talk to me. Uh, I think I have a sign that says, please don't talk to me. So I have to repent of that. Um, and then uh, second thing I'm taking away from the sermon is, uh, I think he was quoting, what, Philippians 2, 70 or something like that. Uh, problem's not the problem, but the attitude about the problem or something. Just, I forget what verse that was. But uh, I think that's so true. We blame our circumstances so much. Oh, my life is like this, my attitude is like this, because, I mean, you know, once in a century pandemic is here and circumstance not right, community uh, is non-existent, um, accountability is non-existent. Uh, like how else can I not, like how else uh, could I be, you know? Like, it is just what it is right now. And, uh, and then we, blame so many things and we take on such a passive attitude and we're waiting for circumstances to change and there's a problem with the attitude, right? Um, but I think this passage is telling us that we shouldn't have that attitude because God is with us. For it is God who works in you. Despite circumstances, um, even under the, 
the worst persecutions that you know maybe the first century Christians were going through. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to act according to His purpose. So, His purpose is uh, unwavering. His purpose is sure is to make us like Christ, even um, when death is imminent. Um, there's no excuse uh, because God is with us. Okay, so. Um, Let's uh, internalize the Word of God spoken to us and, and repent our attitudes as they will draw near to God through this week so that He can use us to be a salt and light in this world so that our lives, no matter what our circumstances are, would be a, an offering, a worship offering poured out to God. Just pray that for a moment and I'll close this in prayer and benediction. Father, we thank You for Your Word that strengthens our hearts you know our very need. The thing that we need the most is more of Christ, more of your word to strengthen us and to feed, nourish our hearts, to spiritually give us life. We thank you for that. Help us to cling on to your word. Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, help us to trust it and live by it. Uh, be with us. You know how weak we are, uh, how feeble our knees are. Strengthen our feeble knees and help us to cling on to you, hope in you, so that uh, the way that we look at our circumstances would change, our attitudes would change, and that we would not seek to be served, but to serve, to be a salt and light to others that are around us. And uh, may your purpose be accomplished through your church, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, no matter where we are. Help us to shine Christ. To this uh, to this dark world thank you lord now may the grace of our lord jesus christ this unchanging covenant love faithful covenant love of the father god the fellowship and the strength and the power of the holy spirit be with you god's people both now and forever amen